All right, and we are live. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Campus Life, our college side of the podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And we are doing this show live tonight for those who may have missed it before because we are giving away a signed Travis Etienne jersey this evening. I've got it sitting right here beside me. You can see the Etienne there on the back. We got a signature going on here. So that is going to be given away at the end of the episode, but we did not want to be accused of any impropriety. Colin is really sketchy, and I, I knew that, that that would be uh, a talking point if we did not do this live. So, so that is the plan here for tonight. We're both excited to be here live. We've got a ton of spring football to talk about. So much that we are literally going to talk about three games tonight. And then we're going to talk about three games a night for the next month and a half, basically. There's just <laughs> so much to talk about. Um, but we're going to jump into some of the bigger games here um, just to be, because I think those are kind of the schools that everybody likes to hear about. Um, so, Colin, you ready to hop in? Shall we, shall we do that? Yeah, let's do this. Awesome. All right. So here we go. We're going to start with Alabama, uh, partially because that – is probably the game that most people were interested in. I mean, depending on your fanhood, um, but I mean, Alabama just kind of seems to be rolling over college football nowadays and there's a lot of changes for them. So I think that that creates a lot of intriguing storylines as well. The Debbie debate guys, including myself did call this game live as kind of a, uh, you know, radio add on to put on while you're watching the game it was a lot of fun. We're hoping to do it again in the future here. Um, but Bryce Young, I think, would be oh, and we've already got somebody with Bryce Young QB one. So he's uh, Kevin. Thank you for leading us off. You know that, and he won the last jersey, guys. So uh, you know, there, there's your your past champ uh, about to be dethroned here tonight. Um, so Bryce Young went 25 for 44 on the day, 333 yards and a touchdown, replacing Mac Jones, um, and you know who replaced two of the year before that. So quite uh, the group of quarterbacks that have preceded him here. MVP on the day, uh, all sorts of different honors. He's going, his ADP for us in the mocks that we are running right now is currently uh, the fifth overall player off the board. So basically the other three quarterbacks, Bijan and Brees Hall, he's going within that set in basically every single draft. Colin, what did you think about Bryce Young's performance on Saturday? Uh, I mean, how can you not love Bryce Young's performance on Saturday? I mean... He showed everybody exactly what we thought he was. And, you know, there were some there were some glimpses of it last year. He got a little time here, a couple snaps there. Um, so he, he kind of felt pretty good about it. But, I mean, he he just very clearly, thank you, Kevin. Uh, you, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, especially given that you've had Austin on the show. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for my invite. But, you know, if, if I'm your favorite, Colin is waiting himself on now, somebody else's show live. This is, this is the ultimate embarrassment for the show. We, we will never get lower than we have in the past 10 seconds. Hey, I'm not, I'm not, above, uh, I'm not above begging to get on shows. Um, no, but with Bryce Young, you know, like I say, 300 yards passing. I mean, it's a spring game, but you know, it's still, it's still 300 yard passing against Bama's defense. Uh, even Bama's third string guys you know, can play against and Felix says in his first career start Bryce Young went for 333 yards in a TD against Alabama fair point but yeah even even Bama's like third string guys are 
are you know former high four star recruits. And, you know they're constantly recruiting over guys, so they, the depth that they have is also incredible. So it's not like he was just you know beating up a poor defense or anything like that. Like it was Alabama's defense, and you know these things are typically set up as well where the defenses kind of have an advantage, especially because you know Alabama's changing offensive coordinators. You know, so they just had the spring to kind of implement the offense. Whereas, you know, with defense, you know, it's not as much scheme. It's not as quite as much coaching as you need on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, so that just made that performance even more impressive. You know, he's very clearly solidified in that uh, top tier, that top echelon of QBs on the college side and in Debbie as well. I I mostly agree with you. I thought he had a really good day against the Bama defense, like you said. So very, very impressive. Um I think we need to put, uh, you know, I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. I guess I am a bit of the Debbie Downer uh, between the <laughs> two of us. Um, he had two plays in particular that I'm sure if I'm saying something about them, that Nick Saban is going to be in his ear for the next uh, probably four months before things <laughs> really start ramping up here again for the next season. He had a strip sack in yeah, within his own, I believe he was right around the 10-yard line or so, um, that was returned for a touchdown now, you know, the fight for the ball was a little pathetic because of the nature of the day, but um, you know, it was not a good look for him. And that he also had a really bad pass where he was pressured um, and he, he evaded pressure initially looked left, saw the running back, went to dump it off to him. I believe it was uh Roy Del Williams that was out there and basically threw it right at a safety that was there. And if I, I think on a normal day in a normal game, that safety would have just, snagged that ball and he was gone you know he was he was clean to the house there was no stopping him so that's potentially two plays on the day where he would have had he would have produced touchdowns for the defense going the opposite direction so we i liked a lot of what i saw from him because it looked like the game has slowed down a little bit for him compared to some of the glimpses that we saw last season he did look very composed uh he had this one play in particular in the first quarter i believe where he evaded pressure evaded pressure evaded pressure ruled left a little bit Nothing there. Came back to his right. The the running back had leaked out there and was it was along the sideline about 10, 15 yards downfield. And he hit him for a, what was a nice 30, 35 yard catch and run. So plays like that showed where I think he's developing, where he's heading and what he can do. But let's not forget that he is still going to be a first year quarterback uh, trying to lead a team with lofty lofty expectations. They expect to compete for a championship every year. So I think we do need to temper expectations a little bit for him year one but but i do agree with you colin in general i thought it was a very very good day yeah absolutely i mean you know still spring this is still his first time like really taking over that offense uh you know and just having the reins you know mac jones was there last year he got a little bit of bryce young got a little bit of snaps but it was mac jones's team and you know seeing bryce young in his first career start like felix said against alabama you know i think that was a good showing I feel very good about where he is going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think that ADP that he has, you know, is probably a fair spot for him to be in. Can't see yeah. him raising too much more. Just, you know, there's not, there's only four numbers out of five, you know, look at me doing <laughs> math live here on the air in my head. I know that's a dangerous, uh, dangerous game to play, but so, you know, not, not much room to move there for him. A guy that probably does have some room to move for at least some of the guys uh, on the website. And then just for, for others elsewhere is a GA hall, who I think is probably the second, Biggest storyline of the day. 
Hall ran with the second team offense. Um, and I kind of wish they had rotated either the receivers or the quarterbacks at some point. So we could have seen him play a little bit with young because some of the passes that he was seeing uh, from, from Tyson and Baxter, <laughs> these guys that are never going to touch a field at Alabama were not necessarily great, but Hall went four for 72 he probably had the two best catches on the day. If you're not counting the Trayshawn Holden uh, one-handed grab in the back of the end zone that he was out of bounds for uh, one on a deep pass, about 30 to 40 yards down the left uh, sideline where he went up and got it over a corner. And, and then another one along the sideline where, you know, he reached out of bounds and he actually almost got two feet in, which I found extremely impressive. Uh, so no Ja'Cory Brooks on the day, no Jojo Earl, no Christian Leary, a lot of a GA hall. Uh, do you think this is going to start separating him a little bit and help him get on the field uh, for 2021, Colin? Yeah, yeah. I think that this um, this is definitely a big boost for him. You know, like you said, no Ja'Cory Brooks. Um, so, you know, and I mean, Christian Leary and JoJo Earl not there or weren't playing either. JoJo Earl not on campus yet. I don't think his situation affects those two guys that much. Um, those two guys are, are a little bit more play a little bit of a different role, but I think that really helped to separate him a little bit from, from Corey Brooks and, or Ja'Cory Brooks. And I know that's a guy that you and I are both high on, um, you know, and a lot of people are very high on him as well, but I think this is something to, you know, I still like Ja'Cory Brooks. I don't, I'm not knocking him at all for this. You know, he didn't play, but you know, it's definitely something to kind of perk your ears up at, keep an eye on, on their usage moving forward because he did look very good. Um, you know, he, he looked like one of the best receivers out there. He didn't really, didn't really look too much like a freshman, um, you know, from what I saw. Um, so yeah, I think it really helped to separate him a little bit there in a, in a pretty muddled receiving core. Yeah. I mean, I, he looked really, really good all day. Um, to be honest, and just to kind of cover kind of that wide receiver situation there and what we saw this weekend, um, the three guys that were running predominantly with the starters, with the ones were Treshawn Holden, uh, Slade Bolden, and I believe Javon Baker was the third. Now Baker basically, I think he saw one target all game. He did nothing. It actually really surprised me because he got a lot of hype after last year's spring and kind of this season. They were saying he was the next guy up. He really didn't do very much. It was the Treshawn Holden and Slade Bolden show, which we joked about it while we were doing the game the whole time, like Holden and Bolden, you know, um, so, but, but those guys, I think Holden had like nine catches, 80 something yards and Bolden had five uh, for about 60 Uh, young seemed to be looking to those guys early and often. And the second team set of wide receivers was a Gia Hall, uh, Xavier Williams and Ty Jones bell uh, were kind of the, the bigger names that ran with that crew. Hall led those guys, which was good. Um, and really, honestly, because of the QB play, we didn't see much from Ty Jones, Bell, or Xavier Williams. Um, so, you know, the, I think it was a good thing for him. And I'm just looking at some of our rankings here on the site, uh, you know, across the board here. We have, so consensus-wise, we have Ja'Cory Brooks um, first, and then we have JoJo Earl, and then a Gia Hall. I have a Gia Hall higher than everybody. I have a Gia Hall as my wide receiver 11, and he is my number two freshman in this class coming into this thing. I think he's just a special, special player. Um, so I, I, I do think that he, if you were, if he, his ADP is like in the 50s right now. It ain't going to be in the 50s for very long. So I hope that if, if you've had your draft already <laughs> this offseason and you're able to snag him, because um, he's going to shoot through the roof here. Yeah, the I, I'm kind of regretting not 
bidding a little bit more on him in that auction draft that we've been talking about because he went for real cheap. Yeah, I uh, went for what one fifty one, I think something like that. Yeah, one of the guys in our Discord actually ended up getting him for that price. He was, he was yeah. talking about it the other day. Yeah, so they, I mean, that, yeah, I think it was Rob, right? Yeah, Rob, yeah. Rob W. Yeah, uh, yeah, good get for him. Um, you know, it looks like a little bit of a, a miss on everybody else's part for letting him just go that cheaply. But uh, yeah, I think you know, I like I, I like a Gia Hall, but I did have him ranked third out of those Alabama receivers, um, which I mean, they're I had all three of those guys in my top five. So, you know, you know, it's kind of splitting hairs, but uh, I think I kind of want to go back, take a look, uh, another look at a GA hall and, you know, see if there wasn't anything maybe that I missed on there that I had him ranked. Um, I don't know my rankings pulled up in front of me right now, but I think I have him wide out of those freshmen. I think I have him like four. Um, But yeah, I kind of want to go back, take another look at him. And just a couple other wide receiver notes here before we shift over to um, the running back and tight end positions from that game. There, there is possibly some value in, in some of these guys. You know, like we said, Treshawn Holden led everybody on the day with nine catches for 81 yards. Um, he uh, Young seemed to like him. He targeted him a lot. He targeted him a lot more than nine times, too. Um, so I think he's a name to watch. I don't know if he'll get surpassed by anybody this season or not. And obviously you still have Mechie coming back who did not play at all. Um, and figures almost certainly will start assuming that he's healthy. Um, but Holden, you know, could present a little bit of value. You know, maybe he starts a little bit this year. Um, at the very least, he's a guy that maybe you try to sell him while, you know, off this hype or through this, the, the summer. Um, Cause he just, we we commented on a little bit too. And we were calling the game. He's just not very dynamic. He's just, he's not the athlete that some of these guys are. And right. some of the, that they have had there lately. Um, so I'm not sure what act, his actual NFL upside is, um, but he'll be a second year guy on campus this year. And I think if you can find a buyer for him, that is a trade worth making. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, because like you said, it was, there, there's some definitely context surrounding his performance in that. And you have to take it into account for sure. It's definitely something to keep an eye on, but yeah, not, not the worst sell opportunity. Um, so beyond then Bryce Young and Aguirre Hall, we just had two other storylines here to chat about real quick. We have the tight end usage and Bama has not necessarily used the tight end a lot over the past couple of years, but it, part of that probably due to the fact that they had four first round NFL draft pick wide receivers on the roster, but they used the tight end quite a bit this weekend. Um, Billingsley and Latu were the two big names that got the targets. They ran with the first team offense. Billingsley had three for 49, had several other targets and was looked like he was going to be an integral part of the offense. They moved him all over the place. We played a game for almost an entire quarter where you just try to pick out where he was before the snap uh, because they had him moving around so much and doing all sorts of different stuff. It was really encouraging to see. And then um, they had Cameron Latu, who had 265 and one. He had Bryce Young's one touchdown. If you're not a Bama fan, you probably haven't really heard of this guy. He's a former four-star defensive end recruit that he, they had transitioned to tight end. Um, he's going to be on his uh, third year on campus here. I believe he was the recruiting class of 2018. Looked like a really good athlete. He's like 6'5", 260-ish. Um, I wouldn't have guessed he was 260 with how he looked and how he was moving. I'm, I don't think he's a guy that I want to own in leagues, but I thought it was just notable that maybe Bill O'Brien's going to use the tight end here a little more this year. Does that make you more interested in Jaleel Billingsley? It definitely makes me more interested in Jaleel Billingsley. Um, I, it's hard to move him too much higher. I think I have him, I think I have him in my top four tight ends. Um, I have him at five. 
I have him at five, um, just behind Cade Otten. So I don't know if I'll move him over that um, or not, but yeah, I mean, definitely interested in, in Jaleel Billingsley. And I'll probably end up taking him earlier in drafts than where I had been before. So while he may not climb the tight end rankings too much, I think his ADP is going to climb because there was just such a huge gap between you know, the top three tight ends in Mayer, Weidermeyer, Gilbert, however you have those guys, however you want to have them in there as well. Um, you know, and then it was a pretty big gap. You were, uh, you were seeing these tight ends, you know, typically going what, like round eight. So I, I have it right here in front of me. So Mayer and Gilbert went, are going within the top 35, 36 selections. So first three rounds, Jalen Weidermeyer in March was the 67th overall uh, by ADP, so um, you know, sixth round or so. Billingsley was going at one hundred seven point two. He was the next guy. So there's a huge, there's a forty spot gap between Widermeyer and Billingsley that I think is going to close. Yeah, yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. And it's they. The thing is, I think they they moved him around a lot. Like Florida used Kyle Pitts last year. The problem is that Billingsley is. They listed him at two hundred thirty pounds. I. Not sure he's actually 230. He is not very big uh, in terms of you know mass. Um, so I I don't think he's he's that level of player. But I do think they they might try to use him a little bit like that, especially with all of these vacated targets. You know maybe the solution isn't a freshman wide receiver or one of these other guys. Maybe it's Jaleel Billingsley gets a bunch more work in the passing game. So that I I just think it's notable and like I agree with you. I think um you know I don't know how much higher I can bump him in my actual rankings, but I pretty sure that ADP is going to shoot up to, you know, 60s, 70s uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll, have to start, we'll, we'll start a couple of drafts here now that most of the spring games have been done just to see um, where some of these guys are going. Um, the other uh, thing of note here is that the running backs were getting a good bit of run in the receiving game. And Jace McClellan had seven catches for 62 yards. Roy Dell Williams had four for 65 uh, no Bryant Robinson Jr. on the day, so just uh, something to note there. Uh, Williams ran with the ones. McClellan ran with the twos, um, and they statistically had very similar days. I thought McClellan looked a little more explosive, but that is, the receiving is an interesting um, just piece of information there. We weren't sure if that would continue once uh, pass catcher extraordinaire uh, Najee Harris left the program. Yeah, so I think the the running back usage was really encouraging from a standpoint where um, you know, Brian Robinson Jr., like you said, didn't play this game. Um, so I, I'm assuming that that's kind of why Roy Dell got the run with the white squad with like the ones. I'm assuming that that's because, you know, they kind of already had McClellan playing running with the twos. And so they just kind of swapped him in there. Like, um, so I, I don't necessarily think it indicates anything on the depth chart. And like you said, McClellan did look better. He looked more explosive um, so, and then seeing him get seven target, you know, receptions, I think that was, that was great. That's really good to see. Although a lot of that, I think is also partially on the QB play. I mean, like, you know, who else were they going to throw the ball to? They could barely, you know, they, they, there was not a very good QB performance. They were kind of dumping it off a little bit there, but, um, on the side with the ones with Roydell Williams, you know, the four catches there, that's something you definitely like to see. Um, I think that's something that it's going to be a little bit more um, translating moving forward where you can kind of predict that whoever is the starting running back for them, which we're thinking now is going to be Brian Robinson jr. 
um, you know, obviously could shift a little bit, but you know, I think it's going to bode well for, for him there um, going forward this year. And then hopefully McClellan moving forward beyond that. So moving over to LSU here. <clears throat> so we have two storylines here to talk about from LSU. The first one is the QB battle, which we've kind of touched on a little bit in some previous episodes here. It's, you know, going into the offseason, we thought it was going to be Miles Brennan's job. And then Coach Wardron came out and said that Max Johnson was going to get the first reps in practice. And it seems like it's been a pretty 50-50 battle in practice between the two of them. And that really continued into the game here uh, this week. Um, they they did what I wish Bama had done, where they rotated the quarterbacks between the teams. Um, but in total, uh, Max Johnson went 11 for 17 on the day for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Miles Brennan went 12 for 20 for 116 and one. And it sounded like they both kind of had their good moments. They both kind of had their bad moments. I've seen some of the game, but I have not sat down and watched the entire thing yet. So that it, I, I'm speaking off kind of just what I've seen, what I've heard from people that I trust that did watch the full thing. Um, and so, Colin, do you – I mean, these guys – in February, the ADP was really split. In March, they're going three picks apart. Are these guys that you're going to target and hope that you pick the right one? Because it sounds like you might not be able to get both. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think you can get both anymore. I don't think this is going to be a – or if you do, you're going to have to take them back-to-back. Back. You're going to have to hope one of them falls to you. And at least that's the way that things stand right now. And I think that LSU is going to wait as long as possible to declare who the actual starter is. I think you're going to see these guys continue to reps, uh, split reps all, uh, you know, all through summer, through fall camp. So, you know, I, I think that that's going to make it really tough. But that being said, and this is something that I'll touch a little bit later on in the show as well. Um, I think it bodes you know, better for Max Johnson. You know, he looked a little bit better. Uh, he ended the season better last year. You know, he is splitting time with Miles Brennan. So if I have to pick one at their current, you know, at their current ADP, I'm, I'm going Max Johnson, but I don't feel super confident about it. You know, you're taking him with, you know, you, you're taking a leap of faith when you draft him and it may pay off. It definitely might. It also could crash and burn if Miles Brennan starts to, you know, regain that form that he had entering last year where that had people, you know, excited about his prospects. Yeah. Yeah. And how's it going, Jeff? Thanks for hopping in here with us here tonight. Um, I, I pretty much agree. And I think, you know, at, at the beginning of the off season, I was saying, you know, I'll go pick Max Johnson a hundred spots later than miles Brennan or whatever. Now I, I am less likely to have either of them. I hope that means that somebody else falls. Um, I do think, I think that offense is going to hopefully be a little more consistent this year. Uh, you know, last year they, opt-outs, injuries, you know, at quarterback, at wide receiver, at tight end. You know, it just the, – the whole thing just kind of fell apart on LSU last year. Not a great follow-up to their national championship run. Um, so I, I do think both those guys, you know, if you pick the right one, great. Because eh, I feel like as soon as one goes off the board, somebody's going to take the other one. That's just how that's going to work. Um, I would do that if somebody took one in front of me. So, you know, uh, speaking <laughs> that's, partially that's from you. experience. Yeah. But, uh, that doesn't surprise so, me at all. <laughs> the other big storyline coming out of LSU is Keishon Boutte, uh, who went 11 for 162 and one in a spring game, including a really nice grab up over Derek Stingley for a touchdown. I, I've been pumping the brakes a little bit on Boutte this offseason. Just you know, he had that, what, 48% weighted dominator after all those guys opted out last year. And I was, and he's been shooting up boards. And I was saying, you know, let's, 
pump the brakes a little bit. He's not going to get that kind of work at LSU next year once they get some of these guys in. Well, jokes on me because <laughs> not you know not only did he do this today, it sounds like it just looks like he's probably going to be the guy there. So at this point, you know there there is some uncertainty about some of the guys in the 2022 class, and maybe that's just the nature of that class is approaching and we're starting to pick them apart a little bit more, but is there a case for Keishon Boutte wide receiver one in Devi and C2C leagues? Um, is there a case for it? Yes. I think you could make a case for that. And I wouldn't, I would, I would push back a little bit um, just because I have my thoughts, but I, I don't think you're completely crazy. If you have him as your wide receiver one there, um, you know, Pickens going down definitely obviously hurts his stock. Um, you know, and I think as much as we, we like David Bell and we like Traylon Burks, they are guys from, they're not from your traditional blue blood programs, which is, you know, everybody seems to like the, the wide receivers from Bama, from Ohio state, from LSU, even Georgia, you know, so everybody's going to kind of give them just a little bit of a natural bump. Whereas, you know, we like Bell, we like Burks. I like both of those guys. They're my wide receivers one and two right now. Uh, Burks did jump pick, um, Pickens with that injury that he had. Um, so I'm keeping Boutte at four, which is where I had him before. But it makes me feel a lot better about him at four because I was with you pumping the brakes a little bit uh, on it. You know, like I was like, yeah, he had a great end of the season, but it was with, you know, half of the wide receiver core opted out. And so I didn't feel as good about it, um, you know, and they're bringing in a lot of guys this year. I, I felt like he could probably be still be the number one, obviously, but I was just just a little bit of hesitation there. But this spring game here, the performance he put up, um, you know, against, you know, the first team defense against, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. at times, who's by all accounts, the best corner in the country. You know, a, a lot of people like Derek Stingley Jr. and they have since his freshman year. So I think to do that, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely solidified as my wide receiver four. Not going to move him up, but I feel a lot, a lot better about it. It does sound like the LSU defense is retooling a little bit, which probably inflated his stats a little bit in this game. But it also probably means they're going to be down a lot, or at least in shootouts. You know, there, there's going to be some high scoring games at LSU this year which you would think probably bodes well for him and some of these other pass catchers. We're going to talk I, one of the freshman spotlights. It's about one of these guys a little bit later here tonight. Um, yeah, I am very tempted to move him to my wide receiver one. I'll be completely honest. Because outside of Pickens, I don't love anybody in the 2022 class. I really like Traylon Burks. I really like Pickens, but obviously the injury and everything gives me a little bit of pause with him. But I don't think David Bell is special. I really, really don't. And those are the only three guys that I would put ahead of Boutte in rankings. So I'm going to need to sit down a little bit. I'm going to try to find the entirety of that LSU game and see exactly, because he had another huge play that was called back due to a penalty somewhere else. So he could have had like 12 for 202 on the day. I mean, I, yeah, Felix says they're not going to like me. I know, but (laughs) it, it, David Bell slander. David I'm, I'm sorry, player. everybody. Yes, I uh, I don't think David Bell is special, everybody. I'm sorry to have to burst that bubble for everybody. I think we're going to find that out this year. Um, 
Although David Bell is probably going to score a lot of points this year too. But I think I'm going to move Boutte to wide receiver one. I'll say, you know, I'll commit to it here on the air. After we log off here tonight, I'm, to I'm, going, to go into my, I'm going to go into my ranking sheet. I'm going to move Keishon Boutte to wide receiver one. And that's that. You may want I can't to promise I won't move him down at a later date. <laughs> but for tonight, he will move to my wide receiver one. Well, tomorrow we're doing the wide receiver ranking summit. So he better be there tomorrow too if you're going to tell everybody oh, yeah, about it tonight. Good point. All right. So for two nights, at least, he's going to be in wide receiver. <laughs> You're going to want to let Matt know about that, too, because he was putting together a show sheet there. This well, is pretty Matt, late notice. If Matt's not watching, I'm just, you know, really upset, you know. That's a, that's a fair point. That's yeah, fair point. No, su- no support. So um, <laughs> so the other, the third game we picked out here tonight is this Georgia game. And we're, we're going to talk about more game guys, games guys in the future. So don't think we're just talking about these three LSU or SEC teams and that's it. Um, but I picked Georgia because I thought they had a lot of really intriguing storylines this year too. And I think there are a lot of ones that people want to hear about the high end guys right now. And then once we get into the summer where there's nothing going on, we can talk about some of these lower guys. Cause that's, yeah. you know, people are going to be so thirsty for content in the middle of the <laughs> desert. That is the summer that, you know, they'll, that, that they'll drink that up. So, so we're doing Georgia here tonight. And I think the biggest question, well, there, there's a couple different ones here, but I think the, the big storyline I think most people care about is Pickens. You know, no Pickens. What's going on behind him? And I think Georgia said no Pickens, no problem. And really, it was no Pickens, no Jermaine Burton, no Marcus Roseme, no Arian <laughs> Smith, no problem. Because um, none of those guys played, but it didn't matter because Adonai Mitchell played. And, you know, we – man, three-star kid probably got lost a little bit in the shuffle this year because of COVID. I believe he moved high schools – and so, you know, it didn't play at all his senior year. And I think that that probably contributed a little bit. But Mitchell went seven for 105 and one. He was the offensive MVP or the MVP of the game. Um, looked really good, too. His touchdown catch was nice. Full extension in the end zone um, uh, to bring it down uh, for probably about a 25, 30-yard catch or so. Um, how do we feel about Adonai Mitchell? I mean, we've talked a little bit about him on the show before. Uh, we've joked that, you know, Something really bad has to happen for him to see the field this year, and something there really bad is. has been happening. So, um, yeah, dude, I don't know if he'll get run this year or not, but I, this is shooting him up our rankings, right? Yeah, yeah, this has to shoot him up your rankings. I mean, he was he even? Yeah, he was ranked for us, but I don't I don't know exactly where I had him, but it was not very high. Um, so, yeah, he's gonna definitely climb up the rankings here, and obviously, no Pickens, no Burton, no Roseme. You know, that's that definitely played a role in that and his performance there. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I expect when those guys are back and healthy, um, you know, Burton and Roseme likely sooner than Pickens. But when those guys are back and healthy, I think he's going to take a little bit of a back seat. But you just saw a glimpse of what he can do. And you're going to see Pickens, you know, hard to say what Pickens is going to do, but. Um, I think Adonai Mitchell is going to have to force his way into this rotation after a performance like this and at least jump some of those other stragglers that were hanging around like Blaylock and um, Justin Robinson is one Demetrius Robertson who had a deep who had a long touchdown catch I believe on the day so yeah let's not write Demetrius Robinson off yet that dude (laughs) it's like a zombie movie and he disappears (laughs) and then like three seasons later he was popping up he's still alive he's still kicking um so I I don't think we can write him off totally. No, but and I think that this it's just really good to see a freshman have this performance. Um, you know, as an early enrollee. So definitely somebody to to tuck away there. I don't think I would go out and buy him right now because I do think when everybody comes back, 
you know, he, I do think he's going to get relegated a little bit and you're going to be paying, you know, top dollar right now. You're, you're paying a good bit for anybody who has him if you're going to pry him away from him. So you may as well wait till like mid year when he's like not really doing anything, but definitely, definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Um, so just we have him as our wide receiver 113 overall at the site right now. Um, and that, you know, you have him 116, Matt has him 129, I have him 130, Alfred has him 58. So we're gonna have to have a chat with Alfred here and see what he knew that we didn't. I yeah. mean, we'd heard some buzz from about this kid coming out of camp. There's just so many wide receivers on the roster. So even then, I am, like you said, a little hesitant to bump him too much. You're almost it's it's one of those where you just take him and you stash him for a year. Yeah. Like you're not getting any production. So it really just depends on how you want to play that as you go through, you know, those after round 10, I think he's going to be on somebody's brain as we're moving through some of this yeah. stuff. Um, the other, let's see here, two more storylines out of Georgia here. Quick JT Daniels. Um, he on the day went, it looks like 24 for 28 for 324 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and then just the note, the guys that were behind him, Carson Beck ran, got most of the run with the twos. Uh, Brock Vandergriff really didn't do too much, and, and he was rolling with the threes. Um, so JT Daniels, is he going to have a big season here? Is he the best Georgia quarterback since Matt Stafford? So you put that on the show sheet there, and I have to it's a little bit of a cop-out answer, so I have to say yes and no. It's yes if you exclude Justin Fields. Uh, if you don't count Justin Fields as a Georgia quarterback, he played like five snaps, which I, I agree. I agree. Um, but I'm saying, you know, he was still technically a Georgia quarterback at some point. So if you exclude him, then yeah, he, I, I definitely think he's the best Georgia quarterback. I mean, you know, who else are we looking at? You know, Jake from flashed for a little while. And then we realized, you know, that he's pretty limited as a quarterback. Oh, the, um, the old key on Slovis is what we call that one. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> People are really going to hate me after tonight's show. Freaking, this is awesome. I can't wait to cut this one up and get, get it out the door. Well, I mean, this is live. We got people out here already hating yeah. you. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then you have, you know, nobody of note until you go back to like 2010, 2013, where with Aaron Murray, who I, I actually, I, I liked Aaron Murray at the time. That was like very, very early into my, you know, really paying attention and diving into football um you know so I, I really liked him i thought he was actually gonna be pretty good but you know i, I think that yeah jt daniels the the competition there for everybody else is you know grayson lambert was there stetson bennett last year dewan mathis last year those guys were jokes um you know, it just, <laughs> yeah, definitely that's, the best quarterback. Stetson Bennett could be one of our six people watching, man. Why you got to do him like that online? That's, live that's a good point. Stetson, I'm sorry, buddy. Um, you know you know, he's a big fan of the show. I do. Stetson Bennett, the fourth. Um, it's, it sounds a little bit more like a lacrosse player or like a polo player or, you know, somebody, yeah, somebody from like England or something with like the fourth at the end. Anytime you get past, past junior, I start to. I start to think of some people like in England where you start getting into like, you know, six, seven, eight of them. But um, yeah, anyway, if that got a little bit off the rails, but yes, best quarterbacks in Stafford, JT Daniels. He looked really good. I thought he looked a lot more comfortable on that knee that was giving him some issues last year. Um, still from the year before that, which I think the fact that that injury lingered so long is a little concerning, but he looks better now. So if he makes it through this whole season um, and looks really comfortable, he's not afraid to push the ball down the field. 
you get a nice arm. I think there's going to start being some NFL draft buzz there. Um, Cause really behind those top two quarterbacks, there's a lot of names. You can just, you know, put them all in a hat and pick one out and you're <laughs> just as likely to be right about who the third guy is as anybody else. Um, so, so I, and I will agree with you. I do think that JT Daniels, if he plays like he did, you know, kind of wrapping up last year and then developed into this, this spring, he will be the best Georgia quarterbacks in Stafford, um, both at, in college and in the NFL. Um, last guy here, just to mention a little bit is Darnell Washington who had, you know, I thought his day was okay. I've watched, uh, I've been able to go back and watch about two thirds of this game at this point. He had four for 84 and a touchdown had the long catch and run where in the save, you know, he, he broke tackle the safety and, and went off down the sideline, set up the, the game winning touchdown by Kendall Milton. I've said in the past that I think Darnell Washington is almost too big to play tight end at six, eight and start getting into scary territory there. And that he's kind of soft. I'm not sure I take away either of those, you know, I don't think I I necessarily take away either of those labels, but he looked good out there this weekend. Maybe, you know, I'll bump him up a couple spots just because the upside, you know, we saw what maybe can be this weekend. Yeah, no, Darnell Washington's definitely a guy that I I like. Um, You know, you have to like a guy coming in who was listed as like an athlete and he was a five-star athlete, I believe, right? Or was he? He was, yes, because I believe he was a five-star, yes. Yeah, so five-star athlete playing the tight end position. I am a little concerned as well, like you are, with the size at like 6'8", and just like, you know, what are his movement skills? Um, But he, you know, being an athlete, he's an athletic person, obviously, you know, bold uh, claim of the day right there. But no, so we look at for tight ends, we look at athletes. And, you know, he is one, so... It's something that I like. It's a box that it checks. I have him ranked at tight end seven right now. Uh, so I don't think he's going to climb any higher, but like, uh, you know, sort of like the Keishon Boutte where it's, you know, making me feel better about that ranking. Um, you know, because tight end's pretty much a wasteland outside of top five, you know. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely a guy to go target, especially in C2C. Um, you know, where you can hope to get a little bit of production there from that. If not all these guys come back healthy because, you know, we, we like to think that they will, um, you know, Rosemi and Burton, but if they don't, you know, they're going to need somebody to help catch the ball there. And Adnay Mitchell can only do so much. Yeah. You have to figure by the end of this off season, he, he's not going within our top five tight ends, according to ADP. I think he'll shift in there by the time all is said and done. Um, which will still be too high for me. I won't take him in that range because I still, like I said, I have my concerns that he's too tall and that he's too soft. Still doesn't want to block, you know, whatever. Maybe we don't need enough tight ends to do that as much as we used to. But it's it, Kyle Pitts isn't soft. You know, he he's, you know, that the epitome of a modern tight end. He can do some blocking and he, he's certainly not afraid to block. Whether he does it effectively all the time or not is a slightly different story. And I, I still do think he... People think he's not as good of a blocker as he is, but Darnell Washington is not even on that level. So we'll see if he can he can build upon this and continue to kind of work and and improve in those areas. But I'm not taking him until I see some of that starting to come up here. Well, one other thing I just wanted to touch on quick with the Georgia game is um, the receiving uh, from the running backs. Uh, I haven't actually watched this game yet, um, so I do need to sit down and actually watch it, but. You know, just box score scouting, scouting quick. We had six catches from James Cook, six from Zamir White, five from Milton, five from Dewan Edwards. Um, 
so you know just seeing the receiving work from these running backs here is is really good now caveat being all of the injuries at wide receiver that we saw but it's nice to see that these guys can catch the ball as well yeah and they haven't traditionally used the the tight end and the running back quite so much so that could signify some some changes there um, so, uh, just based on some of these spring games so far, Colin and I each wanted to touch on some of our uh, big movers this year and, or this, this through the spring. And we're going to talk guys that have moved up. We'll have time in the future to talk about guys that we've moved down our rankings based on disappointing springs or just it looking like they've probably, people have probably been jumped on a depth chart. Um, but we each picked one guy at each position that we're going to talk about here tonight. Uh, as always, we're going to start with quarterback. And Colin, you have a guy that we've already mentioned a little bit here tonight, Max Johnson. Yeah. So like I said, when we were talking about Max Johnson a little earlier, um, you know, it was a little bit of a prelude to to uh, later on in the show here. And Max Johnson's a guy that has definitely climbed climbed my rankings here. I mean, I have him ranked at 52 right now, and I have uh, Miles Brennan at 53. And I have Garrett, Mus- Garrett Nussmeyer at 54 just because those three guys were the ones that were splitting reps there. Although it sounds like Nussmeyer's really f- has fallen off a little bit and has started to show a little bit more of the true freshman tendencies. So he'll fall a little bit, but we'll get into that at a later show. But, you know, I, I think that I at least thought with Brennan coming back, I kind of thought he was going to take that job just given how he looked at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, leading into the year and then at the beginning of the year before his injury, he looked pretty good. Um, so I thought coming back from injury, you know, I thought they were going to get kind of not give it to him, but I thought he would earn it. And it doesn't, it's starting to look more and more like Johnson is actually going to be the one who wins this. Um, Cause like we said, with the spring game performances, um, he went 11 for 17 for 180 and two touchdowns. Brennan 12 for 20 for 116 and a touchdown. Um, and then Nussmeyer was um, 15, 25, uh, 132, a touchdown, and then three picks. Um, so, yeah, Max Johnson looked like the best guy there. And, you know, with all the weapons that we kind of touched on a little bit earlier that are going to be coming in, and then you have an elite guy in Keyshawn Boutte, um, you know, he can just go to him whenever he needs to. I think that Max Johnson's, you know, a guy that we need to start taking a little bit more seriously. At least, you know, I did. And, you know, I moved him up pretty significantly in my rankings here. It'll depend on whether he wins the job, whether he stays there, because one of those two guys is going to have to fall from that 52, 53 range. Uh, but, you know, Max Johnson did end the season well last year. Uh, you know, he had two wins, which QB wins, you know, great stat. Um, but he also had two, three touchdown performances. He only threw one pick. Uh, he threw for 239 yards in the one game, 435 in the other one. Completion percentage was fairly low in both of those. Um, you know, lower than you want to see. So it was 52%, in, 52.9% in the game against uh, Ole Miss at the very end of the year. Uh, and then it was 58.3% against Florida. So you do want to see that come up a little bit. Uh, but in those game, two games as well, he also showed off a little bit of uh, a little bit of rushing upside. You know, I don't think anybody's going to mistake him for a true dual threat or anything like that. But you know, he can move around a little bit there. He had 52 yards receiving against Florida or rushing against Florida, 45 yards rushing against Ole Miss, and two touchdowns as well. Um, so he can give you a little bit of element on the ground as well. So you know, all of that is to say, 
with Max Johnson looking more and more like he's a real threat to take that number one job, I think we need to move him up in our rankings. I probably won't move him that much, to be completely honest, just because I think I'm the highest of all of us right now, or at least close to it. You and are. I just I, I think the uncertainty between those two guys just caps his value for me. It caps all their values for me. Because whoever whoever right. wins, ends up winning that job, I'll probably bump up significantly. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I just can't move any of them up too much right now without, you know, there, there's projecting and then there's, um, you know, making like an educated guess and then not educated. I don't know what happened to Colin there. We just lost him. He's coming back. I'm back. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm doing something similar with the guy that I picked tonight who's not going to start this year, but he's moved up my rankings a little bit. So, you know. The quarterbacks were hard. I don't think there was anybody that really jumped out this spring as, as a guy that I need to have. No, I think that's a good point, too. Um, there wasn't really anybody that jumped out that I'm like, yeah, let me go let me go get this guy wherever I can. Um, you know, another guy that did rise a little bit for me was Matt Corral, but that was more just as I was starting to look at his, like, his potential on the college side. Um so he did jump a little bit for me, but I wanted to go outside, you know, go a little bit further down on there. But I liked the Jackson Dart pick. Yeah, Dart's the guy that I chose here. Um, I think I didn't really doubt that much that he would be beaten out by Miller Moss there. I just don't think Miller Moss is very good. He's not a four-star guy. I'm, I was shocked when I saw that he was a four-star and he was going there. I was like, this guy's not even good. <laughs> um, and it's, <laughs> I mean, so just looking at the the stats here from the day, it tells you all you need to know about Miller Moss's day. Um, Moss went seven for 13 for 34 yards. Ew. 34 yards on 13 <laughs> pass attempts is terrible. Um, Dart was not only, you know, he was the number two. He came in after Slovis. He also went seven for 13, but he went for 99 yards and a touchdown. He also threw an interception. Um, so there was some good, some bad, but he had a couple really nice throws. He had the, uh, a one to, to London um, down the sideline that was like perfect placement. Um, he, he, neither of them are ready to start right now. They're not going to start over Slovis, but I do think that it's so obvious that Dart's going to be the next guy up there, unless like Quinn Ewers flips to USC or something <laughs> this off season, which I, you know it's not going to happen. So you have to think that Dart's the next guy there. So he's risen a little bit in my rankings, and after. You know, because Buchner and Hewitt are going at the point in startups and in freshman drafts where they're not values. You know, I like them, but they're not values at where they are. So if I'm looking for a value quarterback, Jackson Dart is going several picks later in both of those types of things. And I think I would, I'll I'll take a bet on him because it looks like his path is pretty well set at this point. Yeah, I agree um, 100% on that. Uh, You know, you mentioned Heward and Buchner as guys that you like. Um, I'll throw JJ McCarthy and Ty Thompson in there as well, both guys that I like, but they're also not values right now. And I don't love either of those quarterbacks. I like them, especially compared to the rest of this class. I think this quarterback class is a little bit muddled. It's definitely not as strong at the top as it was last year. Um, So, you know, while I have those guys, you know, ranked in my top four, you know, Jackson Dart is a guy who we know, you know, he's a huge riser towards the end of the year or, you know, coming into this year. Um, you know, he, he jumped the rankings, the recruiting rankings. He jumped a lot. I don't have the exact number in front of me here, but it was pretty significant. I know we mentioned it on a show previously. Um, so, you know, he's trending in the right direction. 
Then he gets that later offer to USC. Um, I wasn't really ever worried about Miller Moss either. I agree with you there. And, you know, now we have Keaton Slovis in front of him, and it seems like he's just going to be the heir apparent there. And I, I like to take quarterbacks where I know the succession plan, or I think I know the succession plan. I have a pretty good idea of it. Um, like last year, you know, just to mention in that C2C auction that we were doing, I took Card and Haynes King just because I knew that, you know, both of those guys were going to be leaving in front of them and Sam Ellinger and Kellen Mond. And I liked the path that they had. So I think that, uh, you know, Jackson Dart can follow a very similar path where now we don't know Card and King are going to be starting, but, you know, I think that it's kind of trending that way for King for sure. And then Card is looking a little bit more of a coin flip, but I don't see, I see Jackson Dart having a little bit more of the Haynes King where he'll sit behind Slovis. If Slovis leaves this year, if he has a good year, I could see him leaving. And then Jackson Dart will just step right in. Yeah, so let's shift to running back here, Colin. Um, and you have a Florida State running back here. Yeah, so the Florida State quarterback uh, is kind of similar to the LSU quarterback in where I had those guys just ranked very closely together um, just because I didn't really know what the breakdown was going to be leading into the spring for carries, um, you know, because they have Jay Sean Corbin there. Um, Lawrence Toafili was a guy that I liked a lot from last year. He showed a little bit at the end of the year. Um, they also brought in DJ Williams from Auburn as a transfer. Um, so, you know, the, the, between those three guys, I wasn't really sure how the uh, snaps were going to shake out. I thought Ja'Shawn Corbin was going to be the guy. And I, you know, I feel a lot better about that now. Um, you know, you're, you're getting the reports that he's been running with the ones you know, all spring. Um, you know, he's been lightly used here a little bit. So, you know, they've been kind of protecting him a little bit. Um, from the one article that I was reading on 24-7 Sports, uh, the Florida State page, they were saying that, you know, they're they're kind of protecting him because they don't want to get him hurt because um, they think that highly of him. Um, so, you know, and we want running backs in Mike Norvell's offenses. Uh, you know, Mike Norvell has a tr- great track rec- record with running backs from, especially from a production standpoint. Uh, you know, he had Kenny Gainwell in 2019 who had 231 carries uh, for 1,459 yards and 13 touchdowns. Then he had Darrell Henderson, 214 carries, uh, 1,909 yards and 22 touchdowns. That was 2018. Darrell Henderson, 2017, 130 carries, 1,154 yards, nine touchdowns. So, you know, he's pretty consistent there with 1,000-yard rushers. Um, and that doesn't even get into the receiving work for those guys who we also that we also like to see which I think Corbin can do. Um, and, you know, this isn't to knock Toafili at all either. Um, Toafili's been seeing some work, but they're also reporting that he may be used out in the slot some. Um, so that's really good for his value as well. So it's not like this is a knock on him. This is, you know, Corbin rising in my rankings is just him kind of solidifying the number one running back in a Mike Norvell offense. And I think he was kind of viewed as a change of pace back when he came into college, his first year with A&M. So the pass catching, you know, he can do it for sure. Um, and definitely is a guy that uh, I think I'm writing up, you know, the ADP trends for the month. And he's a guy that rose in ADP as well. I think guys are starting to catch on to that. Um, we do have a quick question here from Mr. Boz. He said, what do you guys think of Jake Garcia and his path to success? I'll be completely honest. I haven't watched the Miami game yet. Um, so I can't comment at all on what I didn't love him as a recruit, but it sounded like he looked really, really good throwing the ball. 
Um, and I love a lot of the, at least from a talent perspective, you know, there's a lot of really good athletes around him. So if he could unlock them, that'd be great because they haven't had a good quarterback play in a really long time. De'Aaron King isn't a good quarterback. Like he doesn't get those guys involved. He helps the offense move along, but um, not the facilitator. So I, I, my fingers are crossed that Jake Garcia is good in that, you know, I really don't like Miami, but I want to see some of those guys be relevant for, for college fantasy and for, for going to the NFL purposes. So um, I hope that he, that he ends up being, being good here in the next, once King leaves after next year. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there too. I haven't seen Miami's spring game yet. I, I gotta say just, just real quick aside here. I'm really frustrated that they put all of these spring games on the same weekend, like pretty much every year. Cause like, you have to go back and rewatch like other games later. Like you can only watch so many games at a time. Um, so I have not watched the Miami one yet. Have heard very good things about Garcia. I didn't really love him as a prospect either. Um, his mechanics were a little wonky. Um, you know, his he looked a lot more like a baseball player throwing the ball than a quarterback. Um, but I mean, you know, I liked his arm strength. Um, you know, he flashed a little bit of escapability maneuverability in the pocket so that was pretty good to see is there as well um so I, I like garcia i'll have to watch that to see you know to watch the game to see you know my thoughts on how he progressed this spring but he's another guy like jackson dart where you kind of feel fairly good about that succession plan um and they are bringing in a four a high four-star guy in 2022 whose name is escaping me at the moment, but he is a true dual threat quarterback. And from what little I've seen on him, he needs some work as a passer. So uh, I think that even if, you know, uh, he, if he, even if he keeps his commit to Miami and he stays there, I think Garcia is ahead of him, whereas at a passer. So I don't think he's going to like jump him on the depth chart or anything like that. So I think it, it's looking like it could be Jake Garcia's uh, offense next year. I think Boz is a Miami fan, if I remember correctly. Um, that or at least the Cameron Harris love. I was gonna say, or at least he just loves like every player that ends up going there because he does. He does have quite a good bit of insight on a lot of their running backs and stuff. Um, so I, I think he's a Miami fan. He'll probably pop in here and, and correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but um, so my guy, I just jotted down is Raheem Sanders, and he didn't do that much in their their game this past weekend. Uh, it was mostly a. Uh, um, Traylon Smith as the running back, and then they—it was kind of they—they they, they were testing out some of their their passing stuff because you know trying to get a new quarterback in there with KJ Jefferson, and it sounded like he looked pretty good. Um, but Raheem Sanders, six two two ten, a four star athlete in this class. Um, they, people thought he was going to be a wide receiver, and he kind of profiles like a lot of their other wide receivers. You know, they just have these big athletic freaks um, across the position, you know, Mike Woods, Traylon Burks, Kendall Knox, uh, Keytron checks. And like, it's just, just big freak after big freak, but they are transitioning Sanders to running back. And it's, you know, it sounds like reports are saying that he's still a bit raw, but that the, the staff really likes him just cause he's really athletic and, you know, is it dangerous with the ball on his hands and they want to try to get it to him that way. He, when we first released our rankings two months ago, he was not even in them. And at this point, I believe I bumped him up to RB 68. You know, he's going to be the thunder to Traylon Smith's lightning this year. I think that's how it goes, right? The bigger guys, the thunder and the littler guys, the lightning, I think. (laughs) Yeah. The thunder brings the boom. The little guy's quick. 
That's what I thought. Okay. I just want to make sure, you know, you say it and then you're like, well, maybe that's not how it goes. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, so he's supposed to be that guy uh, this year. And so I'm not sure that he's going to produce a ton this year. But if you don't take him, I think he's going to flash enough that you're just never going to be able to pry him away for a decent value from somebody else. Um, so go get Raheem Sanders. I think this is a fairly disappointing running back class. So after the top seven or eight guys, you know, I think it's fair game to start thinking it's Raheem Sanders time. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I like Sanders there. We touched on him, you know, when we were doing the Arkansas offense review show uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, I, no, I like Raheem Sanders. Um, I think that he is a guy that's definitely was flying under the radar, especially, you know, given that he was, um, he was an athlete rather than strictly a running back. Uh, you know, athletes just kind of always tend to fly under the radar, but yeah, he's absolutely a guy that I would be interested in going out and, and acquiring. Cause it's looking like he's going to start to get some early burn here, um, as a freshman. Yeah. Um, so wide receivers here, Colin, um, you, you were just very impressed by Florida State, apparently, this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So um, highest rank, uh, mover in my rankings is Malik McLean, wide receiver from Florida State, true freshman, early enrollee. And the reason he's the biggest riser is because he just wasn't even ranked for me before that. I'll be honest. Um, I did not have him ranked. Uh, you know, he's a little bit lower of a, a little bit lower of a recruit there. Um, you know, he's a wide receiver, 42, four star still. So, you know, very good, but, uh, you know, and I had watched him a little bit, but I hadn't watched enough that I felt confident ranking him. So, you know, we, we, but you know, in this m- most recent rankings update, you know, we're going to, he's going to be in there and, you know, he's a pretty significant riser. Um, I have him ranked, uh, where do I have him? just had this pulled up and we are changing our everybody's updating their guys in our sheet right now which has it all thrown off a little bit there we go uh he's my wide receiver 64 right now i have him just behind blue mccoy god yeah i i, I like what i saw there um <laughs> i liked what i saw in the spring game but then it also made me go back and actually watch him and i mean he's a monster six four uh, 195 looks like he's going to be able to, you know, put on probably like, you know, they're comfortably another 10, 15 pounds there. So he's already got like an NFL type body. Um, you know, he's, I think he's actually really good after the catch for a guy that big and that lanky, um, you know, he has four or five speed. So, you know, you'd like to see that, but you know, he's got a little bit of, you know, got, got a little bit of wiggle to him as well for a guy that big. Um, but, you know, one of the other things that jumps out right away is he's an immediate vertical threat. And, you know, I think that that's going to be something that translates right away. And it's not something that Florida State really has. Florida State doesn't really have any receivers of consequence. So he's, you know, been really impressing in spring. Uh, sounds like he's working his way in with the ones there. And, you know, Destin Hill's not on campus yet, so we'll have to see how that goes. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a guy who starts – potentially right away freshman year and you know those are the types of guys that we like and then when you see that size that athleticism um you know and he's he's also got a little bit of a mean streak to him at there you know you you see him you see him make a hit or two on his tape uh which is something that i like you know he's not soft by any means so yeah i like uh i like mclean you know he was a big riser there for me 
Man, I'm going to have to – so I my big problem with putting him that high is that, A, I don't think he's anywhere in the ballpark of a player that Justin Hill is, and I realize that he's on campus, so he is getting – um, you know, the, the early well, leg for what up it's on worth, him. He is, he is behind Destin Hill in my rankings. So, I do like Destin Hill better. Well, so here's the second part of this scenario. I don't think that offense can support two receivers. So pick one, because I don't think you can get two. I don't think Mackenzie Milton is going to be very good this year. I just straight up don't think he is going to. He, I didn't think from uh, like some of the game, I, I, again, not a game I've seen all of, I've seen a decent portion of it. I didn't think he looked very good. There were a lot of throws that just, you know, and I can't blame the kid. He's coming off this catastrophic knee injury where he almost lost his leg. Like the fact that he's even on a football field is the Alex Smith level of bravery or whatever you want to foolishness. I don't know. It's somewhere between those two. <laughs> That's um, always a thin line between bravery and foolishness. But I just don't think Milton's going to be very good. And Norvell has a history of wanting to run the ball, like you said earlier. So Corbin and some of those guys are going to do really well there. They're going to contribute in the passing game. Cam McDonald, their tight end, I don't love him. I don't really think much of him at all, but I think they're showing that he's going to get some work. So I, I think it's really bold to try to think that there's going to be two receivers on this team that can do anything. And I don't, we don't know who the next wide receiver or the next quarterback is after Milton. Is it Chuba Purdy? I don't know. I don't even think he's really back from injury yet, is he? I don't think he played that much. No, he really didn't. So, um, um, like I, I, I don't know who the next guy up is there. So I have Malik McLean. I've moved him up. I mean, I, I agree with you. He needed to go up. He moved the whole way up to 115. <laughs> um, I, ca- I can't with good conscience put him inside my top 100. Which, if that's, that's where fair. he's going to go, then I, yeah, I'm going to have zero Malik McLean. I'll go get Destin Hill. That's fair. Um, you know, maybe 64 was a little bit of an over overcorrection the other direction. You know, he may fall a couple spots here as well. But, um, you know, I, I, still, I still thought he looked really good. I still think that this is the type of offense that can absolutely support at least one end, you know, at least one higher end wide receiver. I mean, Mike Norvell does like to run the ball, but, you know, he had guys like Anthony Miller and DeMonte Coxey put up some good numbers in, in his offense. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that there's any reason why there's not a guy on Florida State's roster that couldn't put up similar numbers. And as much as I like Destin Hill, he's not on campus and we haven't seen anything yet. So we don't know what he's going to do. We've seen this, you know, it's very small sample size. But we've seen it from McLean here, you know, this spring and in the spring game. And, you know, I think that that means something. And, you know, whether he ends up falling down my rankings a little bit in the offseason uh, or whether he holds tight and Destin Hill falls, I'm not entirely sure. I, I agree that probably two wide receivers is a little bit ambitious to support. I don't think it can't be done, but I think it is a little ambitious. But, I mean, like I said, we haven't seen Destin Hill at all yet. So while I like him, you know, we'll uh, we'll, we'll play the wait and see approach. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I chose Marvin Harrison Jr., which is just a, a very obvious answer um, because I think for a guy that we were worried he was going to get buried on the depth chart, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you know he's not one of their top three guys, but he's in that second wave. Ohio State rotates some of these guys quite a bit. And, you know, presumably we have Alave leaving. We have Wilson leaving after this year. That opens up two spots, probably boundary spots too. That's where he plays, you know, 6'3", 203. He caught that touchdown pass this past weekend, just overall looks pretty solid. You can tell that, you know, he's not ready for the big time yet, but to expect a freshman to come in at Ohio State and produce, 
requires kind of a special receiver, you know, immediately to do that. You know, um, Wilson did it. And that's why I think he's slept on a little bit when it comes to some of these 2022 guys, because he went in there right away and, and did some really nice things for them. So I, I don't think that he's going to be that level of producer, but I think 2022 he's going to be a guy. And if you don't buy him this off season, there's zero chance you're going to be able to get him. He's, he's next in line and it doesn't help that he's Marvin Harrison's freaking kid either. Like if his name was John Smith, maybe we would not be quite as excited, but the fact that it's freaking Marvin Harrison's kid, you know, what eight time all pro and the NFL hall of famer and scary guy. I don't want to run into him in an alley either, but um, <laughs> allegedly come out. Allegedly, Allegedly. yes. Um, (laughs) um, But I, I, man, Marvin Harrison, he's just shooting up my rankings. I I don't know where he's going to end up landing before the season starts, but it's a heck of a lot higher than where he was before before things started kicking off here. No, I 100% agree with that. Um, You you filled out the show sheet. You took Harrison Jr. before I had had thrown him in there. So I think he is the he is the obvious choice. Um, and he, you know, if you hadn't picked him, probably the guy that I would have picked as well. Um, you know, he's, he's shot up my boards with how he's looked this spring, how he's impressed everybody. Um, you know, first wide receiver there to lose his, um, black stripe and become officially a Buckeye. Although it may come a man at Mecca Egbuka, not too far behind, but still, um, but yeah, I know I completely agree with you. I think that there's going to be a wide open depth chart next year. And that's really when he's going to take off. So I think you're going to have to pay a lot to get him now. You're going to have to pay even more to get him next year because I do think he's going to have some production this year. Um, you know, like uh, we've said before, you know, they kind of rotate those wide receivers a little bit. So he's going to get a little bit of burn. And I think he'll, he'll, uh, you know, he'll probably end up putting up, you know, like a 120 yard receiving game against Illinois. And everybody's going to then you know, be all over Marvin Harrison Jr. if they weren't already. So you're you're going to want to get him now if you can. I think the buy window is already closed, to be completely honest. And again, I like agree. I said, if his name was John Smith, that window would still be open, but it's not. Yeah. It's it's Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, there's, yeah. there's not a lot of other names that you could get their kid. You know, um, Jerry, uh, Jerry Rice Jerry is, is, at, um, is at Colorado. He's not he's A, not a junior, and B, not very good. Um, but you know, <laughs> luckily, because I think you, you see something similar there. Um, so just to close out the night here, we each picked a freshman spotlight here, like we usually do. Um, and so Colin, I'll kick it to you first. Uh, yeah. So the guy I wanted to highlight, um, tonight is Brandon Campbell, uh, running back for USC. Um, you know, he's uh, early enrollee, which is why I wanted to touch on him a little bit. Uh, although he, didn't really do anything particularly great in the spring game. He has reportedly looked good in spring practices. Um, so while Keontae Ingram is ahead of him on that depth chart, uh, this is another one where I think the there's a, a little bit of a succession plan there. I think Brandon Campbell's going to be the next guy up. So he may not do a ton this year, but still definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Um, now he is uh, a four-star guy. He's the number 16 running back by the composite. So it's not like he's flying under the radar here or anything, uh, but he already has, you know, NFL caliber size already uh, at 5'11", 195 is what he's listed at on USC's website. And I don't really think there's any reason why he can't add another 15 pounds or so, 10 pounds. And, you know, he's going to get up to a really good size there. Um, and then he's still an athlete as well. You know, 4'5", 840, a 4.07 shuttle, 36.4 inch vert, all from the opening. 
Um, so, you know, those are as confident in, in those types of metrics from high school as you can be. Um, but, you know, not only does he have the size and the speed there too, he's a tough runner. He seeks contact when he runs the ball. He finishes runs strong. He always keeps his legs churning. Uh, so I think at the very minimum, whatever his career ends up being, he's going to be a very good goal line back. Uh, you know, you see it on his on his high school tape. They give it to him at the goal line at times. He'll get hit. He'll get met in the hole by a linebacker, and he just powers through and finishes off the run into the end zone. So that's something you I, I love to see that. Um, and I also another thing I really love to see is he puts pass blocking highlights on there. Um, you know, I don't really care that much about a, a senior in high school pass blocking. Uh, you know, he looks good doing it because it's on a highlight. But I just like that he puts it in there. You don't see that a lot. It's it just kind of shows the mentality that he has at the position where he wants to hit you. He wants to run you over. He runs kind of angry, and I like that. But he also has you know some good lateral agility as well. Um, you know he can string together a couple moves in the open field, and he has good open field vision. I think he does need to work a little bit on his vision uh, and, and patience, probably a little bit more than vision as a runner. Um, he is a little bit hesitant at times. Um, you know, he could he could set blocks up better down the field, but I think that's something that can come. Um, you know, we don't really know what he is as a pass catcher because there really isn't very many. Um, you know, examples on tape, uh, but he did, you know, play in Texas. Um, you know, he played at a pretty high level there. He played at Katy, Texas. So, you know, I think that there was a good amount of other guys on that roster as well there. So, you know, I don't think that that offense really asked him to catch the ball too much. Um, so we'll see if he can do it at the next level. That's going to have a little bit of an impact there uh, as far as if he's somebody I like as with pro potential because I do like my running backs to catch passes. But I think that he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on here just because, like I said, there's a, I think there's a fairly easy succession plan there. Uh, and the running backs from the 2022 incoming freshman class, it's not, not all of them have committed yet. But from what I've seen, there really wasn't anybody of note going to USC. Um, so I think that he's, I think he's going to be fine there next year. You know, Keontae Ingram leaves and he just steps right in. Now, USC does need to revamp that offensive line a little bit. But, you know, if they can get that taken care of, I think he's going to be a really nice value next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think the opportunity is there for him to do something. Um, I I just feel very indifferent about him. But I don't think, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I don't hate him, so I guess that's good. Um, <laughs> USC has not done a very good job with kind of finding and developing some of these running backs over the past couple no, of years. They I, I do hope he breaks that, you know, chain of, of – disappointment that they've had over the past few years. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. And, and I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not all that high on him. Um, I'll have to pull up my freshman rankings here, but I don't think I have him just looking here at the running back rankings. I have him at ranked at 116 in the overall running back rankings, um, just ahead of James Cook. Uh, and behind Elijah Collins. So, you know, uh, rookie, running back rookie rankings, I have him right behind um, Ricky Parks and right ahead of Alton McCaskill. So, you know, he's a guy that I like. He's definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye on, but I'm not going to go rush out and overdraft him. I think that's a fair uh, assessment. So I chose a wide receiver here tonight. I chose Deion Smith, who is going, who's at LSU right now, early enrollee. 
Um, he has been a little dinged up, I think, this spring, so has not exactly played too much. And I do not believe he played this past weekend, um, at least not that I saw when I was looking through all of the stats. This is one of the games that I, I've just seen some clips from. I have not watched a significant portion of it. Um, so if someone wants to hop into my mentions after this and tell me I'm wrong, I don't see him at all, at least in the, you know, he didn't record a statistic. So whether he played or not, I cannot say for sure. Um, solid, solid, um, you know, pedigree here, wide receiver nine in the composite. According to LSU, he is six, three, two Oh three. He's listed at six, one and a half, one seventy two on 24, seven. Somebody's fibbing. I would assume that it's probably LSU that's fibbing, but I cannot <laughs> say that for sure. Um, but if he's legitimately six foot three, two Oh three, uh, we're going to have to have a conversation here because, <laughs> um, he, man, the way this guy moves, if he's actually that size. So he, in high school, you know, his last two years there, uh, senior year, 36 for six forty and seven, another about 202 on the ground as a junior 43 for uh, a little over a thousand yards and 19 touchdowns. I believe senior year was cut short. Uh, with COVID stuff. I don't, I do not believe they played a full season. Um, so explains the the dip there. Some pros. Um, like I said, if, if he's actually six, three, two or three, people need to be scared. Very, very, very <laughs> scared because this guy moves extremely fluid for his size. Um, I, I kind of doubt he's actually that big, but he like, he does look bigger than some of the, the, the corners and stuff he's playing on in high school. So, I really don't know. I don't know. I wish we could just get the, I don't know why these schools lie for three or four years about these kids height only to find out that they're two inches and 15 pounds lighter four years in the future. Just give us the actual height. Ain't going to grow anymore. Come on. Um, <laughs> uh, but so uh, I, man, for, for his size, he just moves so well, he can threaten deep. Um, but he can also do a lot of, uh, stuff on sweeps, bubble screens, um, they ran a ton of bubble screens for him in call or in high school. And he was very, very dangerous in the open field with those. He is so elusive for a guy that's his size. He shakes guys out of their shoes. Like it is nothing. He basically has everything that you'd want for a wide receiver from an athleticism and movement skill standpoint. Now he's not quite, you know, uh, you know, a Calvin Johnson size guy. So I guess technically he doesn't have everything that you'd want. He's not a freaking once in a lifetime freak, but you know, uh, you know, realistic expectations. I think he, he fits at the very, very high end of those. And there were no issues from his hands. From what I saw, again, you know, can't always tell those kinds of things because we're really only watching highlights. Now, notice that nothing that I just said about him was about how he is as an actual wide receiver. And that's because we have zero proof of how he is as an actual wide receiver. No releases. This guy's just running straight open downfield. Nobody touching him. Never had to run really anything in the way of an actual route. So things that he's going to have to work on in, co in college, maybe he can do them, maybe he can't. We didn't see it, so I can't not judge on that. But I think he's a perfect Terrace Marshall replacement. I really, really do. I think he, they're similarly sized. I think their skill sets are very similar. I think he can step in and do a lot of things that Terrace Marshall did. Maybe not a first year. Like I said, we haven't seen him do wide receiver things. So maybe he's a year two guy. But he'd be a deadly compliment to Boutte. And if Coy Moore ends up getting that other wide receiver spot and, and Eric Gilbert ends up going back to school there, if those are the four guys in the field, good luck. That's just <laughs> a lot of athleticism, a lot of a lot of deadly guys in the field at one time to try to cover. Yeah, no, I, I do like uh Deion Smith there as well. Now I will just 
comment on the height and weight there. Uh, the six one and a half, one seventy two was from the opening, but that was from two years ago. Yeah. So I think there's a good chance that he could have grown an inch and a half in two years. Um, so I think maybe LSU's embellishing it maybe a touch. Maybe he's six two and a half, and I if he put on thirty pounds in two years, that's that's, that's that was the big one. I was like, yeah. I don't know if he's two or three. Because what is Keytron yeah. Jackson listed at? Uh, I don't remember. Sure. But you know, if we were saying like, if you put those two film together and then you put like their sizes and weights, like, yeah, no, it's, I don't think so. Yeah, so maybe he didn't put on uh, thirty pounds there, but you know, I, like you said, he's a guy that great athlete, great size, great movement skills. Definitely needs refinement in the receiving game. Um, that was one of the things that stood out to me a little bit too. As well. Now, uh, LSU seems to be able to develop wide receivers very well. So I think he could be able to, you know, learn the position and learn some of the more nuance there, especially if he follows Keishon Boutte. Um, you know, stick like stick in his po- hip pocket and just learn everything you can from him. And, you know, he, he'd be good to go. But yeah, I think that he slides nicely into that Terrace Marshall role. That was the kind of guy that I was looking for in this offense because they I knew they needed that. I thought it was going to be Brian Thomas Jr. It's looking like it could be maybe Deion Smith or, or him. It's looking like it could be a coin flip there, but whichever one it is, is definitely a guy I'm interested in. Yeah. And, um, Orgeron has been hyping him up a little bit this offseason too. So yeah. you like to, you like to see the coach speaking to positively of some of these guys. Um, so that is going to do it for the, the actual show here tonight, guys. We are going to just switch gears here for a couple of minutes. And we're going to give away this ETN jersey. I flashed it at the beginning. Just so everybody still believes me, it's still here. Same one. Voila, we've got the jersey here. We ended up having 23 names that were eligible here tonight. Uh, We removed uh, Mr. Kevin Coleman since he won the last jersey. And then we removed any of the guys that now have since joined the Campus to Canton gang. None of them are eligible. So apologies to Felix. Um, And yeah, sorry, (laughs) Sorry. Kevin. Sorry, Kevin. (laughs) But uh, one, one one jersey limit. If it makes you feel better, we also removed my brother, Evan, uh, since he won the Keontae Ingram jersey in the uh, March Madness pool. Yes, yes. So so we're going to reveal the first couple of names here, guys, just in case you know the first person doesn't respond. And I think for all but like two people, we have a Twitter name. Um, so we can reach out. There were one or two that we got like via email or, or, or something else. So those people will either try to respond to the email or if you just hear it on the show and you can reach out to us and let us know that, that you know you are this person, yeah. uh, kind of hoping that we just pick somebody that I know here and then that, uh, you know, alleviates <laughs> that concern. All right, so drum roll. <laughs> Dynasty Kamish. All right, so I am pretty sure I do know who that is on Twitter. I'm looking it up here real quick. Um, but, yeah, so I do know who Dynasty Kamish is. Um, so he is the winner here of the Jersey. I will DM him here after the show, but like I said, we are going to hit the next couple of names here just in case, uh, for whatever reason, he does not respond or does not claim the Jersey. Um, so let's see here. So we have T, uh, T a official, um, is second place and then F F Rook in third. And he is, I know who he is as well. He's in our discord. Um, uh, he's on Twitter. I know who that is. So that that's going to be our top three guys here, everybody. Um, so thank you again to all that entered. The only name we are going to take off the list here for our next giveaway, whenever that will be 
is going to be Dynasty Kamish. Everybody else, as long as he claims the jersey, will be entered automatically in to win the next one. So, um, so, so don't worry. We're not going to lose your entry. We're just going to copy the list right over next time and be gone with it. Um, let's say I, 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 we don't, we haven't picked out another jersey, and we haven't picked out another um, you know kind of milestone, milestone that we want to give it away. So, but so we'll chat about that behind the scenes here, and and talk about that on a show coming up here in the not so distant future. Um, but again, congrats to Dice, Dynasty Commish. Thank you to everybody else that did enter. If you have not entered for any of these and you want to be in the next drawing, whatever we do, all you have to do is very very simple: is rate and review the pod. Uh, I know most the overwhelming uh, pe- amount of people that that listen to the show listen on Apple Podcasts, um, so it's really easy to do on there. Um, or if you're if you're not on there, there are other platforms you can rate and review on. So reach out to us for info on that, and we can get that back to you. But just thank you guys all for listening to us, um, for for helping us grow the show, for helping us grow the site, all of that kind of stuff. Thank you, thank you to everybody. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Um, you know, rates and reviews help us out a lot. Downloads also, uh, if you listen, you know, download the show, that'd be great too. That's typically what we've been using is the milestones as well. Um, so, you know, if you want to get that jersey out here quicker, download the episode. Uh, but yeah, thank you for everybody who's helped us, you know, the entire way. The, the whole, we're almost at four months now, I think, since we did the first show. I think the first show was like released on like the 17th or 18th of, uh, of December. So it's almost exactly four months. Uh, you know, it's been a crazy, <laughs> crazy ride so far. And, you know, we just, we really appreciate you guys just, you know, continuing to give us a platform. So we're not just talking into mics. Yes, exactly. Uh, I just realized dynasty commissions in the UK. So we're going to be spending some money to ship this bad boy of product crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still so happy for him, but if he doesn't claim it, then, Oh, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> we love you. Dynasty commission. Um, hopefully you're listening. Hopefully you claim this. We want you to get it. Yeah. You got it all fair and square. I just DM. It's him, just, so. it's just coming from, it's just coming out of Austin's uh, pockets here a little bit more than he thought. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, all right. So that's going to be the show here for tonight, guys. <clears throat> um, check in our later week, uh, NFL side of things, Canton Bound. Uh, we always release that uh, toward the end of the week. Uh, check out the website again, campuscanton.com, if you guys have not done that already. Um, and, you know, all the different podcasts to go along with that. Alfred's Why Wait Till Sunday, the Debbie Debate Show. Check out Jarek's Data Visualization app. We have some ADP info coming to the site here, hopefully within the next week. So that'll be uh, some good stuff as draft season starts opening up here. Um, but beyond that, that is all we have for this week. So I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good night, guys.